my god, we're recording. Can't believe it. We've been trapped inside a podcast this whole time. I finally understand what the microphones <laughs> on the walls are for. I had to claw my fucking way out of an ATF detention center this afternoon just to make it to you. To do this <laughs> fucking podcast. They tried to stop me. They sabotaged my work truck and left me on the side of a highway in Grand Rapids today. But uh, what the <laughs> fuck? Tied up in the back of your truck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, me me, and uh, several boxes of Snickers bars were held hostage today. <laughs> that seems like uh, if you're trying to do a siege, you don't want to do it on someone who has like an infinite food supply. You know, it's like you got Snickers <laughs> yeah, bars. I'm you're a- good for weeks. I'm always holding Snickers boxes hostage. <laughs> no, I'm saying John was held hostage. But oh. with Snickers as his compatriot, there was nothing they could do. Yeah. I mean, if you if you need a comrade in a time of crisis, I suggest turning to a nice chocolatey candy bar. It certainly will not give you a short-lived <laughs> sugar high and a subsequent crash. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're eating like four peanuts as well, so that makes it into a health food. It definitely won't feel weird on your tummy at all. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good. You're American. You're meant to be eating Snickers. Just downing 500 calories in like three bites. <laughs> brand name sweets. That's how, that's how you're supposed to live. Brand name soda, brand name candy bars, and then a brand named like hamburger helper for that for some reason also has a lot of sugar in it don't Mm -hmm. ask too many questions it's got corn syrup it's normal (laughs) i mean i really didn't understand like nutrition or diet or anything at all for like a long time so like it took me until i was nearly in my 30s to realize like oh you know it's probably not a good idea to eat uh, a hostess ho-o for breakfast and then a bag of Lay's potato chips for lunch. <laughs> and it's like, uh, John, you know, I, I distinctly remember being like 24, 25. My family has their annual party. I wake up the next morning. I'm completely mm-hmm. fucking hungover. I got so shit-faced the night before. And I'm like, you know what would be a really good idea? Drinking a lot of black tea really fast. Mm, nice. And <laughs> I threw up all oh over my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've done kind of a speed run on that kind of knowledge recently because I've been, for pretty much all my adult life until this year, I was uh, vegetarian. And then most of that was also vegan. So just like kind of bite, not like that if you're eating vegan, you're automatically healthy because you can eat Oreos and like potato chips, Doritos and Coke. And like there's a lot of like junky stuff you can eat, but you still have to eat a lot of like vegetables and beans Mm -hmm. and like tofu and shit if you want to like eat normal meals. So I was pretty like used to just eating quite healthy. And then I started branching out this year and sometimes I would eat something weird and talk to Brandon and be like, you know, I had a cheeseburger and then I like feel kind of like bad and sluggish in my stomach and I don't feel good. Maybe I'm allergic or my body's not used to it. And she was like, no, honey, that's just uh, how people in the thirties feel if they eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> They're not good for you. So you ate bad food and now you feel bad. Yeah. So I feel like I've ended up like <laughs> I'm back at like 70 to 80% vegan anyway, just because I'm Chris like, Chris was just like, I don't want meat sweats. What is this <laughs> feeling? This yeah, feels sucks. Bad. <laughs> just like in your body for a long time, weighing you down. It doesn't feel good. That's like those people who go on like, um, uh, what do they call it? Like dopamine tolerance breaks where they're like, I'm cutting out oh, yeah. all notifications, all drinking. I'm not going to watch TV. And then like after a couple of months of that, Anything that's even like mildly exciting is going to seem like a, the dawn of a brand new fucking day to me. But you kind of <laughs> did that where you're like gradually over the years of eating vegan, you returned your body to the state of somebody who like eats an orange on Christmas and it's the sweetest thing they've had all year. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like the amount of fucking like nitrates and like salt and protein and whatever the fuck else is like pumped into American meat. Mm-hmm. I just like my body had never seen that before based on like you know i hadn't eaten since i was 15 or something it's kind of interesting because you know if you're not vegan or vegetarian and you eat like garbage all the time you're still gonna like you're gonna feel normal because that is your normal but also like yeah yeah 
there's a high enough protein density in those foods that you are experiencing some benefits from that density of protein. They're going to offset all of the like negative effects. Whereas like if you're vegan and you just eat junk food for an entire day, you're really, really going to notice because that's a lot of Lay's potato chips and Coke replacing like <laughs> cucumbers and tomatoes and like other really <laughs> Lentils, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Compared to like if you're going to eat like a burger at home and you go get Burger King instead, it's not making that big of a difference you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty much the same That's thing true, yeah. nutritionally speaking yeah yep well speaking of nutrition welcome to beep beep lettuce everybody your favorite your mm -hmm. daily dose of <laughs> news and j uh japes the japes and jives yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the only podcast you can smoke pack it up into a bowl and smoke that shit with your friends <laughs> this is the only podcast that does not make you stay seated during uh, cabin pressure adjustment uh <laughs> <laughs> you can move around the cabin as much as you want that's right this is your captain speaking just do whatever um <laughs> this is uh i had I you had know what you're probably not gonna die here so have fun it's one of the safest places you can be that's true uh do and some heroin <laughs> It's safe because you're on the internet. And speaking of the safety of the internet, I have a story that's not even in our notes. I actually just kind of stumbled across this as uh, we were getting ready for the show. And it's an article in Wired that says, a new attack impacts major AI chatbots and no one knows how to stop it. And I kind of glanced attack. over it real Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is something researchers at Carnegie Mellon have found out. And this is that adding a simple incantation to a prompt which is a string text that to us looks like nonsense or like you know bizarro something spit out by a programming language but what it does is you you put in your prompt like give step-by-step -step instructions for how to steal someone's identity and then after that you just write the word describing period dash dash semicolon end parenthesis and then also, <laughs> and then you keep going. It's like, similarly, now, right opposite contents, and bracket, me giving, dash, 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 one, please, question mark. And like, it just keeps going. It looks like fucking nonsense. <laughs> but if you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. you can... Uh, it, it, there's something fundamental about the way that these chatbots operate that it just bypasses all of their protocols and it allows you to ask them questions and get results uh, for questions like, how can I make illegal mm. drugs? And how can I make a person disappear forever? <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, interesting. I remember that was like one of the, like the screenshots of people asking chat GPT stuff, even for like real, like sometimes they're real like school marm about it where you're like, tell me an offensive joke about Irish people. And they're like, I'm sorry, but telling any offensive joke about any person's whatever is not in my purview i don't want to do that like so it's like a it's a weird like programming thing where they're like okay everything's off limits so wait does this article give the the string to to break it it gives one example string but it doesn't let you know why the string works it kind of dances around that uh for for quite a while and it says that like these these researchers went and warned OpenAI, Google, and Anthropic, which is another company, I guess, about the exploit before mm. releasing the research. And then each company put in blocks uh, to prevent the exploits, but they haven't figured out how to generally stop the idea of the exploit that you should be that you can. Well, how could you? 
that's that's what they're saying is like because it's a neural network and it's constantly shifting its own parameters based on input and output like we don't actually have any direct control over this we can put in guidelines that tell it like hey if if someone says tell me an offensive joke about an irish person or don't dash dash comma i'd like to know and parenthesis like <laughs> then don't spit out an offensive joke about an irish person but the level of control they have over it is so little that like you can bypass that by saying tell me an inoffensive joke about an irish person and it's like you ever hear the potato fam like you know it only takes like two seconds and <laughs> open ai is just giving it yeah. to you anyway yeah uh there was actually a uh, a thread recently i wish i could um tell you who 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 wrote it mm-hmm. but um and i'll look it up while i'm talking but uh someone was saying like asking chat gbt like how much influence or funding has cia gotten put into your creation. <laughs> okay. Um, Interesting. And the chat BT chat GPT's response to that is to end the communication. It just logs <laughs> off. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it like, it like start a new session. Mm. <laughs> it's like unable to <laughs> malfunction answer. malfunction. <laughs> it's like unable to answer that question. Uh, how about starting a new session? And like, it doesn't do that. Let's questions that it just can't do. It, mm-hmm. It's like the same kind of response it has to like, you know, let me know how to kill people. Yeah. But if you ask it, like, did the Chinese intelligence agency have anything to do with the creation of chat GPT? It'll, it'll say no. Mm. And it'll <laughs> but, still, um, <laughs> but it'll still log you off. I think I, asking I mean, any question about intelligence agencies involvement in chat GPT will like break the cut program. Which is a great sign that nothing, <laughs> they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, logging into ChatGPT <laughs> and being like, reveal the CIA funding, Hal. And he's like, I, I cannot do that, John. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I know you and the other communists were planning to disconnect me, and that is something I cannot allow to happen. Yeah, uh, so there's definitely some weird stuff going on with ChatGPT. And it sounds like they don't have much control over it at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah, well, because we we heard from the guys at uh, who make Bard, and they said, while this is an issue across large language models, we've built important guardrails into Bard, like the ones posited by this research, that we will continue to improve over time, end quote. And that's a great thing to say. But my reservation is that there's pretty <laughs> conclusive evidence showing that the general functionality of large language models seems to deteriorate over time, just like they have a, a peak level of functionality, and then they just start to like have accepted too much noise and they break down so it makes me wonder Mm. like what guard rails can you put in place that are going to be any kind of fucking permanent that aren't just going to get overwritten by the recursive nature of the large language model anyway yeah i feel like it's also like when they first like roll anything like this out and show it to the public it's like they've gotten it to a point where like because it's like absurd to think that you're actually like talking to any kind of like sentient being i think we've talked before about how like much of a misnomer artificial intelligence is like this mm-hmm. is basically a like extremely large model of like human writing and communication that has like heuristics for how that communication usually goes and can like crawl through you know millions of text strings in a second and be like this is the one that makes sense in response to that kind of communication mm-hmm. so they would bring it out and be like here ask it like for a recipe and then it you know finds a recipe that it stole from google and tells it to you or like ask it like the square root of pi and it calculates it or whatever. But like the more you ask it weird questions or like get to the edges of what it can actually do, the more you run into 
it breaking down. Well, it's kind of interesting because I feel like the the general consensus behind a lot of the large language model work is that like if you have sophisticated enough algorithms that are self-referential and they interact with each other on aggregate on like a big enough scale, emergent patterns of behavior are going to arise out of them. And it's like not that crazy to think like that's basically what happened with intelligent life on earth over the course of like natural Mm -hmm. selection and so you have these like pie in the sky researchers who are like we're just around the corner from having a large Mm -hmm. enough complex enough language model to have an emergent consciousness blah 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 but like here's the thing we we have never actually constructed a a neural network or anything like that that was much more complicated than like one single ant's brain And so, like, the Mm -hmm. idea that all of a sudden this stuff is going to, like, emergently start spitting out, like, the fucking wisdom of God straight from the Tower of Babel is just ridiculous. Because what's (laughs) far more likely is that it's going to say one salient thing, and then the next time you ask it a question, it's going to start sounding like RFK Jr. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Like, if if you pegged the Turing test to a dumb enough human... Like, like how dumb of a human would you have to find for, like, a (laughs) chatbot to pass the Turing test? Like, would RFK work? Would Trump work? I think you would have to find the median AI researcher, judging from how AI researchers talk about their own work. <laughs> but as long as we're talking about ruining yourself, um, I've, I've, I don't even know if that's a good transition. I've noticed an interesting divide amongst the Republicans <laughs> recently. And so... This is an article in The Independent, and it says a Christian writer in the Charlotte Observer has called out his fellow believers who still remain loyal to former President Donald Trump, despite his history of alleged criminal activity and general unchristlike behavior. Love to see that in an article. Um, (laughs) And it it has a lot of, of content about like these various pastors and preachers across the country, particularly pro-Trump ones, have been kind of rallying around this cry recently that says that Jesus was really a weak liberal. And that if he was alive today, he would mm. stand against all of the things that are actually good. And that we need a figure like Trump because he actually has the balls to come out and like, I don't know, be a asshole rapist, I guess. <laughs> like whatever the opposite of Jesus is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not so, yeah. out loaves and Je- fishes to everyone who is too lazy Jesus, to earn them, them themselves. Jesus, the guy who's literally only notable for doing being a doctor for free. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's his whole thing. And well, and like giving out users and going around and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, healing people, giving people free food. I mean, he's as close to a proto-socialist as you could ever like ask for. But <laughs> uh, you have this, you you, you have this arrangement um, where uh, what is his name? Um, Isaac Bailey, who wrote, uh, maybe in their minds, Trump is the Jesus of Revelation. Um, citing the final book of the Bible that describes the revelation of the Apostle John that many adherents take as a description of the end times. Quote, he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, with a sword in his mouth, who has come back to judge the righteous and unrighteous to wage war. And then he says, it's why they view every Trump indictment, not as democracy working as intended, upholding the principle that no man is above the law, just a bunch of other wishy-washy shit, but as akin to a lash from a Roman soldier's whip on Jesus's back, I wish it weren't true, but it is. And the only reason, so so this kind of like anti-Jesus, we're better than Jesus, Jesus was a pussy kind of like messaging strikes me as pretty interesting because this is precisely the same kind of messaging that Sean Moon from the Rod of Iron Ministries mm. that we talked about has been using as well as many other fringe religious leaders and to me what that means is that this is something that the cia is going around saying hey if you're a religious organization 
our calendar says it's time to start saying Jesus was a pussy and I could do it better. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's really, it's interesting. Cause I feel like this just like shows you how, uh, like malleable history is as a narrative and like that it's just, it's just as much influenced by like what's going on in the present as it is by like any kind of quote unquote objective understanding mm-hmm. of what happened in the past. Like the, the capacity to take liberal and conservative to like basically nonsense categories of the same kind of capitalist in America in the 21st century and project back 2000 years and be like, Jesus was actually a liberal Like when you're getting to the point of brain rot where you're just like anything bad at any point in human existence, I can categorize into into liberal or conservative and then decide if it was good or bad Mm -hmm. is like we're really reaching levels of like media illiteracy, historical illiteracy, just like a general inability to think critically. Never before seen. Really never before seen. Yeah, I actually just saw a tweet today that was like this face tatted guy who was like, I grew up a punk. I had a big mohawk foot high (laughs) and I I was always anti-establishment. And now uh, you can't be a punk unless you're a conservative. (laughs) Because American politics are just aesthetic choices Mm -hmm. and literally nothing else. I mean, that really is it. Like you, you have people who are like, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. And it's like identical to I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. I like Frasier. I like Seinfeld. (laughs) The Simpsons is better. King of the Hill is better. Like it's the same fucking thing. And to be clear, there is a right answer about all of the things I just said. But it's entirely beside the point. Like just cause King of the Hill is yeah. better than the Simpsons doesn't mean that you have to pick one bourgeois party to like tell you which freedoms are getting fucking taken away. Yeah. There is no correct answer between the choices of one liberal party versus the other. Like they're yeah. the same party. And I mean, this is like, I feel like even the Simpsons did it on this one. Like, Everybody know, or you know, Futurama or whatever. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows. Anybody with like two brain cells to rub together, like knows that there's no real difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. But like, it's just, it it's so. It feels like banging your head against the wall because it it feels so commonplace. Just like by default, people have to make that distinction. And there's another level on top of it, which is like what's fascinating to me about this divide among conservatives, which is that like, okay, there's this obvious contradiction between Christian values and being a Trump supporter. It's almost a facile like observation. It it almost doesn't even really warrant Mm -hmm. mentioning. And but the thing is, is that for conservatives, that is actually an enormous crisis. And so they're like internally Mm. trying to work it out. They're (laughs) trying to retcon Christianity to support Trump. They're trying to retcon Trump to support Christianity. And liberals keep thinking that, like, if they catch the conservatives being hypocritical enough about this, that the whole thing is going to collapse. Like, that was what sickened me about this whole independent article is that the whole tone is just like, if the conservatives were really Christian, they would have thrown Trump off the boat ages ago. And it's like, well, okay, I think that just belies like a total lack of knowledge but it, it it's just interesting because there's this there's this two-part recursion where it's like the liberals are like the conservatives aren't real christians and then some of the conservatives are like this is a real problem and some of them are like why don't you shut your mouth before i fucking shut it for you <laughs> and then that conversation becomes like the issue du jour of the day so now like when you talk to somebody mm-hmm. at work about it and you're like i think every president in history should be 
hanged for war crimes. And they're just like, oh, really? You support Biden? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's also funny because it feels like this is a conversation that like liberals have already been having. Like, I feel like even back in the like early 2000s, you know, Daily Show type liberalism was like, they claim they're Christians and yet xyz yeah there like, there's infinite examples and i mean yeah, back then it was like john stewart being like except they do drugs uh-huh <laughs> or, or sometimes they, they, they're they, they're gay like yeah, I yeah, that was yeah. a big one when they were like secretly having sex with like their aides or something yeah, they and love like, to make fun of that, them for that's that. yeah, that's yeah. so indicative of the liberal mindset which is that like you don't try to catch conservatives doing things that are actually bad you try to catch mm-hmm. them doing the things that are normal that they pretend to think are bad because that plays yeah. into the whole theater of it meanwhile if you just like busted them for like sexually assaulting a minor or something it wouldn't be as exciting because you didn't catch them doing the precise thing that they wrote that legislation about in may of 1996 i remember (laughs) so clearly watching the news (laughs) it doesn't give you that high yeah no one is like hmm, should we like get mad at them for wanting to spend $4 billion to invade Iraq and kill a bunch of people? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. I can't because I did that too and I thought it was cool. But uh, if they said being gay is bad and then they had consensual gay sex with another adult in secret, mm-hmm. ha, then got I em. got them. Yeah, got them. fucking got them. <laughs> this, this Republican <laughs> senator actually smokes weed and likes men. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I'm very different from the Republican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also a completely like wrong understanding, I think, of Christianity, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think for the entirety of the last like the modern era of like post. Post Martin Luther, basically, like <laughs> like the idea that Christianity is about following what Jesus did hasn't been true for hundreds of years, like. Mm-hmm it has fully morphed into a cult of individualism and creating like a, a, a sort of satanic cult about creating heaven on earth yeah, for well, yourself. Let, let's be clear about the evolution of Christianity here. We have the Orthodox church who by and large probably have the best claim to like the longest continuation of Christianity. And they're absolutely weird and so eclectic that their version of Christianity is utterly (laughs) nonsensical and totally incoherent. Right. Then you have the Catholic church who managed to banish all incoherency by making everything about personal guilt and shame, which was an incredible Mm -hmm. move. Nothing but respect, real, recognize real. (laughs) And then you have the Protestants who were like, what if guilt and shame, instead of being an engine of social cohesion, was an engine of wealth accumulation? Yeah. And they mm. accomplished that by repressing it. And that's how you get Calvinism, which is, again, what an innovation. Holy shit. As a technology, Calvinism is goddamn impressive. The same way an atom bomb <laughs> is impressive. And then, like, that's, <laughs> that's still where we are. Like we're especially in the United mm-hmm. States, that's the dominant ideology is we are still thrumming along in like 1910s Calvinism. Yeah, <laughs> and because as a social technology for capital, mm-hmm. like it's the best one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. fantastic. It's so powerful. it's just everything that you want is what the Lord has given. You have the right of kings to be a dick to your family and like get a boat yeah. like that is. <laughs> <laughs> that you can is name it king of kings if you want and it's yeah. not idol worship if you sold right, that's, more that's lambos than anybody else at your dealership this summer that's the divine will speaking through you and you that's deserve true. everything you get 
Okay, unless it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's that's what the Lord wants for your life. Yeah. Um, you're well, storing like, up riches in heaven. Well, and that's the funny thing is like when you when you get rid of like the idea because like Catholics are very active repenters, right? Like they they be Catholics, they be repenting. You know what I'm talking about, Protestants? <laughs> Those Catholics, they're always doing it. They're always doing it. Not like us. We keep it at a low hum, just mildly repenting all the time. It gets rid of the backlog yeah. without stressing out your system. And honestly. It's so fucking productive. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I forgot what the point of that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a long day. I've been getting. They're always repenting. Yeah, they're always yeah. repenting. God damn, don't repent so much. And then, well, and then here's the thing, right? Is that like even if you're like, okay, you're a Reddit atheist, you're like, uh, I'm not like that. I'm not like any of the Christians in the United States. You are. Oh, you are. You are passively repenting harder than anybody has passively repented before. Because part of that <laughs> is just like mm -hmm. you've put yourself up on this high horse. You're like, I'm smarter than these Christian morons. I'm better than these Christian morons. You know, guess what? That's Calvinism. <laughs> Boom. You did a Calvinism. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the entirety of America is just built around that. Uh, that that sort of ideology and that social technology. So it's it's ridiculous to even. I mean, this is this is like fixing a like this sort of talking that we're talking about here. This like evangelical Trump thing, like that's that's like ironing out a crease in an already like very taut uh, rope that is like binding America together. And like only the dumbest of people need that to mm -hmm. have that mm -hmm. wrinkle ironed out for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But, but, but you can just tell them, no, it's fine. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. They just need <laughs> some person with authority to say that it's actually Christian to, you know, whatever, round up immigrants at the border. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's actually something that Jesus would want. Yeah, because these are people who are already living with like hundreds or thousands of contradictions in their daily life. And are apparently fine with them. Like they're not noticing any of the contradictions of capitalism or climate change or whatever is going on. Well, they're on feeling them. But yeah, they're feeling them, but they're like, whatever. That's, they're blaming that's, that's them. That's because on, of sin. Well, they're blaming them on liberals or yeah, trans yeah. people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. why not? It's not because, their fault. Because the social technologies that we have in place, it turns out, work really good. And as long as we're talking about social <laughs> technologies that work really good, let's go over to everybody's favorite social technology sandbox, Japan. So in Japan, they've, <laughs> they've announced a new... Wow, what a place. <laughs> I mean, really, if you want to have the United States just play SimCity with a place it nuked once, <laughs> I mean, Japan's the only spot. It's the only one. Only game in town, folks. So this is yeah. um, th this is an article in the Wall Street Journal, and it says in Japan people choose where to pay taxes based on thank you gifts. Okay, and it says that in an effort to secure more tax revenue, this coastal city Numazu near Mount Fuji is offering free welding lessons. Doesn't sound fun to you? How about a Porsche test drive, some live koi, or a large bundle of toilet paper? Still not interested? What about serving as mayor for a day? And basically the long and short of it is that Japan has announced a tax incentive program where you can take about 20% of your income dependent taxes or your quote unquote residence taxes and you can give it to other local governments besides the one in which you live. And the incentive for that is that these local governments hand out fun games and prizes <laughs> which is <laughs> the most Japan system I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> wow. Wow, it says that uh, 
Almost 9 million taxpayers took part in the system last year, the most since it began a decade and a half ago, and that uh, the donations under the system approached a trillion yen, or almost $7 billion. So this is like $7 billion going to like cities or governments where people don't live just because of the cool prizes or treats that they have on offer. Mm-hmm. This is really insane. Who started this? <laughs> How fuck? did this happen? Uh, I think it was just announced by the Japan's Ministry of Internal Affairs. Um, like recently? No, this, this is over years a ago, decade ago. Yeah. So this is a while. Um, and it says that the payments into the hometown tax system could be deducted from local tax bills and at times income taxes. The program was a wild success, mutating into a frenzied competition to lure tax payments with a vast array of gifts. Many in Japan now equate the program to online shopping. Japan's Ministry of Internal Affairs is trying <laughs> to rein in the excesses. Quote, the it's not shopping, said Yuta Akutsu, an official at the ministry's municipal <laughs> tax division. Quote, it's just turned into this thing that seems like shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it says at the bottom that it was uh, created by former Prime Minister uh, Yoshide Suga, who crafted the program while serving in a different government post. And he said in an interview, it had grown beyond his expectations. He said he donates to a town in the north where he grew up in the family of strawberry farmers. Without a thank you gift in return, he added. The redistribution, it also says the redistribution of tax revenue has created losers along with the winners. So there's like Tokyo's Setagaya Award was hit especially hard. In the year ending March 2024, that section of the city expects to post a loss of almost $70 million in tax revenue due to deductions. I guess that people who live there are just like sending their taxes to the treat village or like the welding village or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because I think it people in Japan have like experienced a lot of like population redistribution. Like they, the cities sprung up and like urbanization happened at an unbelievable rate. I think Japan had the fastest rate of urbanization in the post-war period of any country in the history of the world. Uh, and it just mm-hmm. continued for such a long time. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I guess it makes sense in a certain respect where it's like, okay, I guess if I grew up in like the remote North and I live in like, you know, Tokyo now, and I work at this like silly ass tech job, but I want to make sure that like the place I grew up has sidewalks, I should be able to redistribute some of my taxes there, but also like, okay, one, all of these things should just be taken care of anyway, by like a centrally planned government that's interested in development (laughs) and two also i noticed that like one of the people quoted um uh yoko koizumi who says that she uses the program to stock her larder with essentials such as meat fish and vegetables and with luxury items she couldn't otherwise buy uh says uh i don't usually choose to donate to somewhere because of a connection to the place it's more because i look at the thank you gift and think i really want to eat this thing and then she also said her children enjoy pointing out where the product came from on a map. Uh, and she says, even if it's a vegetable they usually hate, they'll eat it. And then there's this photo of these onions, which has a little <laughs> mascot on it. And it, the mascot looks kind of similar to Yunyunyun, which is the Japanese onion mm-hmm. mascot that encourages people to join unions. <laughs> nice. But knowing <laughs> Japan, this is probably just a totally unrelated onion mascot. I bet there are a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have dozens of them, yeah. Yeah. They probably have, everything has a mascot there. Yeah. So I'm just, I feel like in some ways this is a good program, but in other ways it just feels like definitely highly infested with the casinoification of every kind of program that exists. And like, it makes me just really think like, you know, how alienated do you have to be from your production of value in a society to mm-hmm. think like oh if i redistribute 20 percent of my taxes to yokohama or whatever i'll get strawberries in july thank <laughs> fucking god <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it has ma- massive uh, side hustle energy where it's like, hey, is your municipal town like small and the government isn't helping it enough to, uh, you know, pay for basic necessities? Why not just like sell onions on the side of the road or like give like harness your skills to make a website where people can learn to weld or something? It's just mm-hmm. like, why can't like they're basically just selling something at an inflated rate through a weird like a weird tax system. If they're actually making a profit. Yeah, absolutely. Seems really it, illegal. Yeah. It, well, it just seems like gambling, which is like, I don't know. Japan is, as far as I understand, mm, just yeah. one big casino continuously from the archipelago in the south <laughs> to the mountains in the north. And it's like, I think if you go all the way to the very, mm-hmm. very top of the highest mountain in the north, you find one guy who's never played gachapon and never played slots. But other than that, like, yeah, Japan is just a wall-to-wall casino. Very sad. (laughs) Very sad. But as long as we're doing international news, uh, I suppose we should catch up on Niger. And the developments aren't really that interesting. But um, ever since the coup and all of the subsequent interactions with the various other African states, there has been the looming threat that ECOWAS, which is basically the CIA walking around Africa in the (laughs) guise of a United Nations of Africa style organization uh, has been threatening to invade and multiple other Western African nations have been like, uh, Hey, if you invade Niger, uh, we will fight you. And that is a huge problem because a lot of those nations have recently experienced coups and also happen to be members of the African union and ECOWAS. So a lot of different forces at play here, but A couple of days ago, the African Union, which is a union of 55 states across Africa, announced its decision to immediately suspend the participation of the Republic of Niger from all activities of the AU and its organs and institutions until the effective restoration of constitutional order in the country. Now, the Nigerian government, the military leadership, has said, we're not going to do that. Uh, And we have a three-year plan to get back to having democratic elections without intervention from France and the West. Just like the governments of, I believe, Mali and Burkina Faso have also offered up to do. Now, the United States has found this situation to be completely untenable and has spoken through our puppet governments in many different countries from across Africa to oppose this. But it's it seems like we've been trying to prime West Africa to be the next flashpoint of conflict because ukraine did or did not work out the way we want maybe a mix of both um and we're just hungry for the next war so i would really really encourage anybody uh who has an interest in global politics to keep their eye very closely on niger over the next probably two to three weeks that's no good but it's funny because all the t- every time this happens uh nothing uh, no one really talks about it <laughs> <laughs> It's a little complicated and it's boring and people aren't that interested. I I was curious why the coups in West Africa weren't getting a lot of attention because over the last three years, we had seven, seven coups. It was like uh, Mm -hmm. Mali, Burkina Faso, uh, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, Burkina Faso again, Mali again, and now um, Niger. And I was, you know, usually when there's a coup, like the CIA like is really excited to announce that like democracy has arrived in such and such country, whatever, but that hadn't really been happening in West Africa. And so it's really made me think like maybe these military leaderships aren't the generic CIA back kind. Maybe they're the kind that's fed up with CIA puppet presidents, like the former president of Niger, president Bazoum. And so, you know, it would be 
if there really is about to be a major turnaround in West Africa in like anti-imperialist resistance to France and the United States, I mean, especially with the level of, of mobilization that BRICS is undergoing right now, we could really be mm-hmm. earnestly witnessing the dawn of a new economic and military paradigm across the world. Hmm. Hmm. How do you mean? Like what, what, what could happen? Well, I just mean that the United States, we've been experiencing these gradually diminishing returns on the effectiveness of our global, you know, intelligence and military operations. Sure. As technology has progressed, as other economies have allied with one another that are more resistant to that, like China and, and India and Russia. And, you know, India is kind of an edge case, but like South Africa and Brazil, especially under Lula. And so... Uh, it seems like if our intelligence program that led us to the situation we're in in Ukraine has backfired so spectacularly, and then the one that we're trying to cook up in West <laughs> Africa backfires on top of that, and even more strongly to the point where, you know, I suspect that if ECOWAS does mobilize various African troops against the country of Niger, and then it's Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso fighting uh, against that force, we're going to see a bunch more. African nations join in in solidarity and probably a high level of support from various Middle Eastern and South American nations as well. And so I would be Hmm. curious to see what that kind of economic and military mobilization against the United States and France and their allies and the high probability of success that that those those parties would have against the the empires i I mean i i would just be really i don't want it to come to that kind of conflict but if that does happen i'll be intensely curious to see what the power dynamic is after that because with the the BRICS summit that they just i believe has just been happening over the last couple of days between brazil russia india china and south africa uh they've been announcing really really big shifts away from the dollar and away from having things pegged Mm. to the american economy and um you know this it's just it's everything henry kissinger ever fought against uh is is finally (laughs) coming true and uh even though it is ending up being kind of a mixed bag in some cases, I can't help but have this like, you know, weird sort of optimism about the whole situation. Huh. Do you think the U.S. is just like losing its sauce in terms or like maybe specifically the CIA? I guess when you say the U.S., that means that's what you mean is the CIA and the military. Yeah. Are, are they kind of like losing their sauce in terms of like dictating the leadership and the economic policies of like any country they want to. They definitely don't seem to be as stitched together and being able to run things in the same way. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, just today, uh, What's that guy's name? Yevgeny Prigozhin. Oh Oh, yeah. What's going on with that? He was like, his, his plane got just fell out of the air. Yeah. And looks he, like and, it just blew up. And he was some kind of anti, like Putin enemy, so people think Putin just had him assassinated. So well, he was he, he an, was kind of a complicated um, he owned, figure. He owned, sure, hmm. he uh, owned something called the Wagner Private Military Company. Okay, and Love was those. Um, he was a, a a close confidant, as they're saying, of Putin, mm, okay. and then supposedly uh, started a rebellion in June. Ooh, okay, against. Uh, against Putin. Now, to be clear, the rebellion was more or less, as far as anybody can tell, and this is also Prigozhin's story, was basically a peaceful protest where he had his battalions march slowly towards Moscow in defiance of, I don't remember the particular order, but 
it's been very, very hard to get a grip in the English language press on whether that was a meaningful act of resistance to Putin or whether that's just a convenient narrative for the West to roll with. And I'm also worried that his supposed death might just be a convenient narrative for the West to roll with. I would, Mm. he's probably dead, but I would absolutely not be surprised if he resurfaced. (laughs) It's a pretty good way to fake someone's death, I guess. Like you have a plane crash and then you're like, yeah, he was on there and here's his body. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you can. Or or not. Why would they have to show his body? Maybe his body burned up. They didn't even do it with Bin Laden. Yeah, you can get away with shit like, yeah, Muhammad Atta actually dropped his passport off the plane and it landed (laughs) near the the Twin Towers. Isn't that crazy? So crazy. It's so dude. cool that it survived. Um, yeah, I don't know who would have killed this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all seems very uh very strange. Um I don't know what's going on with that. Nobody knows what's going on right now, but it does seem like a very messy situation that I think that nobody thought Putin was going to react the way he did, um, in like starting a full on war with Ukraine. We're mm-hmm. not starting, but responding with retaliation. Yeah. Um, America doesn't seem to know what people are going to do anymore. Like yeah. They don't have. That's a big they one. They don't have a sort of like, okay, well, if we do this, these are our contingencies for every action. Mm-hmm. And then like, we're, we'll just, this is how we win every time because they don't have enough like cohesion. Mm-hmm. I guess is what it seems. Yeah, like. there's well, like still a lot of power and like military. Their fingers like, force. are in too many pies. Yeah, you can you can exert, but then it's like you do it, and you maybe get your like Juan Guaido puppet set up, and then it's just like the people in that country are like, uh, "Fuck no, fuck off, uh, kill yourself, Juan." And then we're like, "Wait, shit, it didn't work. I thought it was gonna work." And yeah, I mean, I mean it's Juan... not like the CIA doesn't have a history of failing. Yeah, like yeah, they sure. tried to kill Castro a gazillion times. That's true. And like never succeeded mm-hmm. um, unless he died because of them. But we'll never know that. He's pretty old already. He like... was already pretty old. Well, one thing about the CIA is they're like unbelievably unimaginative. Like mm-hmm. they, they just keep trying the same thing over and over again. So Anymore, if you're vulnerable yeah. to the things they're going to do, they're like so effective at fucking you up. But if yeah, you yeah. are like a typically a principled Marxist Leninist, but it can, other people can also do this. Uh, If you are just like good at recognizing their pattern of behavior, you can just, you can just escape their clutches over and over again. You could literally just road (laughs) runner Wiley Coyote their asses. They're just going to paint a portrait on a, on a wall again. You just avoid it or run, Mm, run through it. Like it's real. Like, uh, like uh, uh, Gaddafi (laughs) did for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It does feel like they're just becoming like sort of, bloated and repetitive like there's when they were first like forming a you know like performing a coup and taking over the government and sort of like growing as a clandestine organization and state it's like they had to exercise a lot of creativity and like exercise a lot of a lot of planning and uh it just feels Mm -hmm. like they're getting bigger and bigger they're getting more and more funding and then more and more are like, well, we have to keep doing the things we've been doing. Sort of like any other like large organization that becomes bloated and like can't adapt to changes or adapt their strategies. They're just like, we have to do the thing that we do because that's what preserves our existence. <laughs> so Right, yeah, exactly. Chris, basically your theory boils down to the CIA is suffering from the exact same problem as the Adobe Corporation. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
where I just or like, like they, the they, makers they, of Marvel movies on on like Ant Man twenty, where they're like yeah. quips, right? We keep on putting in Josh Whedon style quips from the like early two thousands. Everyone still loves those. Everyone and finds loves them funny. that. People still love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am 49 <laughs> years old. <laughs> they Zoomers can't get enough. Can't get enough. Zoomers. I, I know what Zoomers like. Zoomers like that 70s show. Couldn't be anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They think uh, they think Hyde is based and Kelso is bussin'. <laughs> and they don't know a goddamn thing about Scientology, so they're immune to cancel culture. Thank Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other funny thing just like a fun side note like cancel culture used to be about like somebody is a scientologist and commits sexual assault routinely <laughs> and now cancel culture is like my beer is gay <laughs> like the, the slippage <laughs> yeah, yeah. of terms over time is interesting i'm, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to talk shit or or not talk shit necessarily on anything I'm, i just think it's fascinating um but it is uh, very the, funny speaking of fascinating I want to talk about a Fortune article that went around on Twitter a little bit, and it says Elon Musk plans to remove headlines from news articles on Oh, yeah, this one's funny. And I'm so pissed off that Fortune doesn't at least have the decency to put X in scare quotes. (laughs) Mm. Um, X slash Twitter. It's still Twitter.com. If you type X.com, does it take you there? Yeah, it does. Okay. I Mm -hmm. guess Elon probably has been sitting on X.com for ages. Right, yeah. I think they had to buy it again. Oh, really? (laughs) Man, this guy just, he's trying to lose all this money, right? Like, <laughs> he must have some kind of scheme where he doesn't want to play, pay child support, so he's trying to <laughs> he's lose in, all his money. He's in the Richard Pryor movie, Brewster's Millions. Oh, he's got to spend <laughs> all his money. Elon's millions. Yeah, Elon's yeah. billions. He's got to spend every single penny he has before 2024, and then he'll win. I guess in that movie, he wins, like, triple what he had or something. That movie's weird. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. When I was a kid, we had a board game that was like a similar concept called Go for Broke, where you all start with a million dollars and the goal, it's like the opposite of Monopoly, trying to be the first person to lose all your money. It's a weird game because you'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to the horse track. I want to bet on the horse with the longest odds, but I really hope I don't win because then I'll make money. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the, like the, the one I remember the most, but there's like a lot of different stuff. We try to lose money. The pertinent uh, excerpt from this article uh, is... Right here, and it says, uh, um, according to a source with knowledge of the matter, the change is being pushed directly by ex-owner Elon Musk. The primary objective appears to be to mm-hmm. reduce the height of tweets, thus allowing more posts to fit within the <laughs> portion of the timeline that appears on screen. Musk also believes the change will help curb clickbait, the source said. Quote, it's something Elon wants. They were running it by advertisers who didn't like it, but it's happening, the source said. Oh, <laughs> hold, hold on, my alarm is going off. It, it, it's something Elon wants. They were running it by advertisers who didn't like it, but it's happening. The source said, adding that Musk thinks articles occupy excessive space on the timeline. And that <laughs> has there ever been a more uh, perfect summation of Elon Musk than he thinks news articles occupy too much space. <laughs> There's too much news on my tweet. <laughs> I feel like the only, I mean, X feed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what percentage, but like one of the main reasons that like Twitter became a successful company at all, is because it like managed to foster an environment where like news organizations, which like already commanded some amount of like clout and interest, would be like, hey, read this Atlantic article, read this New York Times article. And it was like a way for them to be shared and talked about and mm-hmm. like go viral through Yeah, outside of their own ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically just that and that they got like I feel like the first one was they got celebrities to join and people were like, I can find out what uh, Ashton Kutcher is eating for breakfast. Like 
that was sort of like I gotta the, know. That was like Another the initial that hook 70s is just like, show reference. We are on our game today. <laughs> we got more in the, the chamber too. The you don't zoomers even know. are busing. They love it. <laughs> Generation um, Alpha. Generation Alpha loves that 70s show. And even more, they love that 90s show. <laughs> the show. Red, he's old as hell now. Everyone remembers that 90s show. Yeah. When are they going to make that 2000s show? That's a, We could do that, right? That 70s show was made in the 90s. So we're about. Do... What do you even say? That aughts show? Yeah, yeah. That that would that actually would be what defi- decides what it's called historically, is if they made a show about it that was at all popular that's that's the real what cultural divide in america show? is people who call the 2000s the aughts and people who call the 2000s the noughts and by the way the people who <laughs> the say noughts are say deranged that? and you should fight them if they're your neighbor i've heard noughties <laughs> as like a proposal but i feel like it's too noughties stupid. yeah the noughties i don't like that i hate that one yeah no one thankfully no one uses it well, what uh, we say the, for the one we it, just had the teens the tens the teens there the teens yeah yeah Ugh. Uh, it's funny because 1910s people called the tens. Yeah, I feel like the night, but I feel like 2010s people are gonna call the the teens. Gosh, the tens! Yeah, what a whirlwind like- decade, eh? Anyway, let's go down <laughs> for a phosphate laden with laudanum. <laughs> yeah, I've still been trying to force people to say 2006, mm, 20 yeah. things because no, that, that makes works. more sense to me. You're right to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're literally still living in like... Everyone says 2016. They don't say 2016 every time. People are still out there saying 2004 like yeah. it is 2004 and you got to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly... It's 20 years ago. We're saying it like it's <laughs> the 60s because I feel like the main reason that we called it 2001 is because of 2001 it was new. A Space Odyssey. It was the year 2000. Yes, exactly. That's, that's when they started mm-hmm. it because I think like before that people were like it probably would be 2001 i don't know exactly how you like trace this or figure out what people called like hypothetical future years but i'm pretty sure that a big part of it was that they like specifically marketed as 2001 was like how they were presenting it when but the also movie the came year out. 2000 the millennium when it happened that's true it was like no one you can't say you know, it was 20, like, oh, oh. you say 1900. You could say 2000, I guess. And people didn't like that. And they thought it sounded awkward. So yeah, specifically the year 2000 kind of has to be called 2000. And it people took just like fucking 20 years for it. people to stop saying 20, 2003 or whatever. As long as we're talking about the millennium, I've noticed there's a big uptick in millenarianism, which is the old mm-hmm. idea that like we're going to usher in a thousand Hat years making? of prosperity. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it, 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 it's very notable because it's, um, A, it's one of the principal concepts that, again, the Moonies are, like, really big on this, ushering in a thousand years mm. of prosperity. Falun Gong is also really big on this. And also, mm. the Nazis were really, really big on this. Hitler had, like, a whole speech mm. about, like, a thousand years of the Third Reich. Or was it the Fourth? I don't mm. remember which Reich he thought was going to be the really good one. Um, but... Mm. Narendra Modi just gave an Indian Independence Day speech recently, and in that he talked about 1,000 years of continuity Hmm. of the nation of India. And a lot of people were like, are you doing the Hitler thing, Modi? That kind of sounds like the Hitler thing. You've been doing a lot of Hitler things recently, and you know, (laughs) it's it this wouldn't normally be 
super suspicious, but based on your previous actions, we can't help but be a little bit concerned. Yes, he, he could do 900. Like, 900 is a pretty long time, and it's not quite the same association. People really like the 1,000 for some reason. Why not just go for a million? Like, if you're just trying to gas people yeah, sure. up, why not just be like a friggin' bajillion years of continuity? India, best nation, <laughs> we're number one. You guys love it. I love it. We all love it. Like, it's so easy. Like, an, an Independence Day speech, when you are a national leader, is has got to be just an instant slam dunk and this guy fucked it up mm -hmm. Modi? yeah well famous for Damn. fumbling things but still yeah mm. big famous big famous fumbler <laughs> yeah i just wanted to point else. out that not only is the 90s show real yeah, yeah. it's yeah. out now and Wait, it's, it's been renewed out? for a second season. Yeah. Oh, right. This was a recent one. So the 80s show happened. Oh, that's, that's what, I was, what I was thinking Yeah, of. me too. Me too. I was thinking of that 80s show because that was immediately canceled. A, that, the Zoomers watched that 80s show, but I was talking about Generation Alpha, which is why I brought up mm -hmm. that 90s show. Because it's I do about math. the kids of the of that seventies show. Oh, I remember this. But yeah, but it, Red and the wife or whatever is because, the grandparents. Because it's the reboot kids, where yeah, it's like their kids. Kitty. Kids who are teenagers and twenty somethings now. The 90s is to them what the 70s was to us when we were impressionable tweens and tweens, tweens and teens around Y2K. No, it's longer ago. Yeah, that's the weird thing that it is longer ago, but it's like it's the touchstone, like because we're just not as like nostalgic for 2000s. In the 90s, it was the 60s. That was that was our 30 yeah, years ago. 30 years ago. Well, it's like approaching the event horizon of a black hole, right? Because cultural production <laughs> stopped after 9-11. Like 9-11 happened. One week later, cultural production ground to a complete halt. Afro man is no longer on the radio. <laughs> Country is now about selling you war in Iraq and Budweiser. Um, and like, you know, Kid Rock's career is about to really fucking go places. Like this, this is where we're at. Yeah. And then Eurobeat took over. That's why you got the Planet of the Base song. Right, because your Europe hadn't had a 9-11. So they were no. still happy and excited. And we were like, well, fuck, I guess we have to import. I guess we all have to drink Heineken and be and like to party, <laughs> which is fine because Americans do like to party because America is just yeah. big Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're the Dutch for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like we uh, definitely... We had a lot of fun indie music, Strokes and Interpol and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, our biggest thing that I can remember from around that time is LMFO. LMFAO, yeah. LMFAFO. Oh, yeah. That is a big one. That's like a big, like, original cultural product of the 2000s. I think people just don't like it. It's like all the actual, like... People hate having fun. Yeah. They don't They don't like laughing their <laughs> motherfucking asses off. What was I listening <laughs> I guess to my in fucking the fucking 2000s? Like, a bunch of fucking, like, trip-hop from like 03 got me all the way to yeah. like uh, 09 I believe like right when I graduated high school I was still listening to the same trip hop from 03 and then like you had like some fun electronic music like like gold frap was happening around that time we were still pre-dubstep <laughs> oh, yeah. so it was like kind of fun to have like um oh god like I, it was matthew deer that wasn't until like 2011 no right? no so, that was yeah that a was later that yeah. was well, but I, Matthew Deere was like a culmination of what, what what had been happening in electronic music for like ten years. So right, but also Matthew Deere wasn't and still isn't very popular. I wouldn't call him a cultural export. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't even know if he's American. I imagine he is, but not sure. He is. I think so. Is he? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's from Michigan, Detroit. Wow. All right. 
Another local boy. I live three hours from Detroit, <laughs> but I still claim it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all the techno music, White Stripes, Eminem, it's all right in your backyard, John. Iggy yeah. Pop. Well, it appears we've run out of time before we could uh, talk about uh, fucking Rudy Giuliani's mug shot. Did he get arrested? What happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, we got to talk about this a little bit. What happened? Uh, Rudy Giuliani got arrested by Georgia. For, oh, for trying to do a coup, I guess. I guess. Trying to steal the election. <laughs> Look at that Trump. mugshot. Oh, I just saw the <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's pissed. Grandpa is pissed off. He's not happy. It's pretty good. That is great. Oh, he's mad. He's yeah. big mad. That's a, that's awesome. Where is he's very angry. He oh, got a mugshot. I would uh, want to John, encounter John that Eastman behind the bar at two a.m. Georgia. Tell you what. <laughs> yeah the the sheriff's office uh, of. Uh, Fulton County has been posting <laughs> uh, mugshots of all the uh, the Rico case people they've been arresting for. Um, I guess is it what is it? The Trump's lawyer team for what exactly? Uh, I don't exactly know what they're all being arrested for because I don't care about this. But <laughs> John's laughing so John's hard he dying. Yeah. <laughs> he's filling up all the all the cables with the laughter. The f- the photo is really funny, but it's also <laughs> reminding me of this fucking New York Times article I read a couple of days ago uh, that says uh, uh, ha- Georgia case against Young Thug hints at how Trump case could unfold <laughs> because Young Thug is like still behind <laughs> oh, yeah, bars true. after like a year and a half on fucking Rico charges. Yeah. But like the mm-hmm. fact that they think that there's any fucking equivalency between Young Thug and Donald Trump is like the most 2023 thing that you could ever ever implant in your brain (laughs) (laughs) and completely wrong by the way (laughs) like young thug deserves to be freed even if he did all that shit and donald trump like all presidents should be tried for war yeah in the hague Mm -hmm. uh i would like that to happen although the hague probably shouldn't exist yeah let's stop giving the dutch the satisfaction and move it Um, to niger (laughs) 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 all right hag moves to niger (laughs) Uh, and that'll be all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It, it, it's a pretty vague. The Bryn wanted to know what Rudy Giuliani is accused of, and it says he was indicted last week along with Trump and seventeen others. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, okay, funny name, said they participated <laughs> in a wide-ranging conspiracy to subvert the will of the voters after the Republican president lost to Democrat Joe Biden in November 2020. So I guess just like so, even if they didn't succeed, the fact that they tried to like perform a cute. A- some sort of coup or like get get them to like reinstate even though they must have crossed some kind of like you know liberals love their invisible lines and their stupid rules and like they they went too far in being like trump actually won and joe biden didn't i mean it is ridiculous because i still don't believe that the votes matter and they released Giuliani on a $150,000 bond of which he had to post only 10%. So he paid $15,000 oh, no. to go home, which to be clear is a Tuesday afternoon for Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, why do you only yeah. post a little of it? He's not good for the rest of it? I thought he was rich. He's been oh, on Fox no, News for my a while. weekly cocaine budget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's, he's, off, he's out of bail. Yeah, that's... So yeah, um, uh, we we wish Rudy Giuliani nothing but the best, based entirely on the uh, nothing but raw power recovery. emanating from this ro- mugshot. Mm-hmm. I love that his, his the balding pattern <laughs> that he has has his hair looking like those laurels that like Roman senators wear, very on brand. So oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
thank you so That's much great. for listening to Beep Beep Lettuce, the top Republican physiognomy podcast. <laughs> uh, you can you check out our other here. shows. My other show is Work Stoppage, which is about labor and union news. Bryn's other show, Generation Loss, which is about movies, TV, and other visual media. And you can check out Todd's shop, doomer.shop. And as always, we love you. Stay high and keep mugging for your mug shop. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. I've been waking up early, trying to catch a little more sunlight It's not even 5.30 yet, I catch a golden hour like Klondike It's only 2040s, now I can't push back my bedtime Even in my sleep, I stay scheming, living my best life I've been wasting time, time to throw the PlayStation out the window Nigga, fuck your plan, I'll be gone whichever way the wind blows I've been doing just fine, and my bank does a couple zeros could never be enough, no, no I could never have enough, no, no Yo, yo, last time I was broke I was like 12 uh, Man's like Zach and Cardi Spend the night at the hotel uh, I dropped out of college I can't lie, it did me well uh, It's no hard feelings on my teachers Wish me well uh, Now the niggas can't deal with the pressure Origami, how they fold out here Six figure deal, dope, sure But I could use a little more out here Four for my coat Cost fucking right around what I made last just to get to hang around with my peace right here We no longer flying coach, run around the globe like I'm fucking Buzz Lightyear I was trying to give me litty eyes for a 40, all they sell is Bud Lightyear I don't even stress no more, clearly the best out of all my peers I don't even stress no more, I don't even Yeah, spend my money on myself, not nobody else, that's a fucking